0: In Paul's third missionary journey, we have seen so far uh, him going through the region of Galatia and Phrygia. uh, Some of the churches that he had started on his first journey at uh, Antioch of Pisidia, Iconium, Lystra, and Derbe. Probably going back through there, encouraging the churches once again. He had, at the end of his second missionary journey, visited the major cities of Athens and spent. Uh, almost two years at the city of Corinth, and that's going to become important as we see him stay uh, at the city of Ephesus, some of his correspondence with the Corinthians. Now, in Acts chapter 19, in verses 1 through 10, we see Paul arrive once again in the city of Ephesus. He had been there once before, only for a brief a period of time on his return journey from Corinth back to Antioch of Syria. And in verses 1 through 10, we're going to uh, find out what happens when Paul arrives at the city of Ephesus. Let's read these verses together as we begin. Acts chapter 19 and verses 1 through 10. And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about twelve men in all. And he entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. This continued for two years, so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. Let's pray as we begin our session. Our Father in heaven, we ask that as we look into uh, the book of Acts further, into Acts chapter 19 and the time that Paul spent in the city of Ephesus, that you would encourage our hearts by what we hear and that it would, uh, through your Spirit, be applied to our lives so that we could become more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ in our living. It's in his great name we pray. Amen. Well, in verse 1 of chapter 19, Paul comes to Ephesus after traveling through Asia Minor, revisiting some of the churches in Galatia that he had started on his first missionary journey. As far as we know, he is alone in this journey. Uh, There is a man by the name of Apollos, who we talked about at the end of chapter 18, and now Apollos has gone from Ephesus over across the Aegean to Achaia, and then finally down into Corinth as we read here in verse 1. And while he is at Corinth, Paul arrives at Ephesus once again. He had briefly visited there at the end of his second journey while making his way back to Caesarea and had left Aquila and Priscilla to minister in the city. Now, Paul finds some disciples at Ephesus, and these are possibly uh, disciples of Apollos or disciples of John the Baptist directly, who, of whom Apollos may have been part of this group. Uh, but since he is referenced in verse 1, it probably has some connection to him. Because you remember Apollos Uh, had to be taken aside by Aquila and Priscilla as he was speaking in the synagogue, and they explained to him further uh, the truth about Jesus. All he had known was the message of John the Baptist, that uh, there was a Messiah coming, and that his coming was imminent. However, he had not heard about uh, Jesus as the Messiah. And so... Paul asks these disciples if they had received the Holy Spirit when they believe. Uh, This was perhaps his way of inquiring about their understanding of the the fullness of God's plan. They respond by saying, no, we we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. They hadn't heard about the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, uh, revealing to Paul that their understanding of Uh, the Messiah and his coming was rather limited. Paul then asks in verse 3 into what baptism they were baptized. This was another probing question to find out what they knew and what they were really believing in, what they were trusting in or depending on. They responded by saying, we were baptized into the baptism of John. This seems to show that they were, again, either disciples of Apollos before his faith in Christ, or that there was a larger contingent of those who had followed the message of John the Baptist uh, and arrived at Ephesus without coming to understand the full message of the gospel in Jesus Christ. I don't think we should be too surprised at this. John's Uh, ministry uh, was really uh, just a couple years prior to the public ministry of Jesus. If Jesus' public ministry lasted for about three years, uh, John's public ministry would have been ending just before that time. John may have even had a more uh, extensive ministry that lasted longer than uh, the three years of Jesus' public ministry, and so he may have had uh, even a a little bit wider of a following beyond simply the land of Israel. And so we shouldn't be uh, vastly surprised that there are those who had uh, believed the message of John the Baptist and yet had never perhaps heard about Jesus as the one who would come as Messiah. Paul responds in verse 4 with a very clear message of the gospel linking the ministry of John the Baptist, who baptized with a a baptism of repentance, and Jesus, who was the one John was referencing when he told people to believe in the one who was to come after him. John the Baptist was the forerunner to the Messiah. He was preparing the way for the Lord and calling the hearts of the people back to their God. He preached a message of repentance in light of the coming of the King, the Anointed One, the Messiah, the Christ. Now, Paul says, Jesus, the Anointed One, has come. And when the disciples of John hear this, they are baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Nothing is said directly about their faith here But I want you to understand that it is implied because of everything else that takes place in the book of of Acts and how uh, faith and baptism normally go together. In the book of Acts, baptism always follows faith. And you could look back at several examples of this in in Acts chapter 2 after there is a a movement of the Holy Spirit and many people believe as a result of Peter's sermon uh, at Pentecost, baptism follows this. Baptism, uh, as we have said before, is a public proclamation of the internal reality of faith that has taken place in the heart and life of a believer in Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 8, we see Peter going down to Samaria and there are Samaritans uh, who believe in the Lord Jesus and they are saved and uh, Peter will lay his hands on them as a special uh, uh, sign there. They receive the Holy Spirit and then they are uh, baptized. The Ethiopian eunuch on the, the road to, back to his home country, uh, has faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as a result of Philip's explaining uh, Isaiah 53 to him. And after his faith, he says, is there any reason why I shouldn't be baptized? And so baptism happens again after the faith. In Acts chapter 10, in the household of Cornelius, while uh, Peter is still speaking, the household of Cornelius is indwelt by the Holy Spirit, a sign that they had believed the message of Jesus, and they begin speaking in tongues. All of this is done before any kind of baptism takes place, and then they are baptized. So the pattern that we see throughout the book of Acts should be read here also. These disciples of John the Baptist hear the gospel of Jesus, which is stated at the beginning of verse 5. Then they believe, and the belief is implied here, and then they are baptized in water in the name of Jesus. Then Paul lays his hands on them in verse 6, and the Holy Spirit comes upon them, and they begin speaking in tongues and prophesying. These are visible signs of the Spirit's presence within them. Now, why is there a pause or time gap between their faith and the coming of the Holy Spirit? Usually, uh, with the moment of faith, the Spirit comes upon an individual. Why Why is it different here? Well, I think if we look back in Acts chapter 8 with Peter and the Samaritans, just as in Acts chapter 8, the Spirit of God coming upon the Samaritans by the visitation of the apostles and the laying on of of Peter's hands, which has... Uh, prophetic significance going back into the Old Testament. The prophets of Israel would lay their hands on individuals and perform uh, miraculous things, uh, uh, healings, uh, and things like that. So now these disciples of John are given the Spirit as a visible sign to them of the truthfulness of the message of Jesus And it would have been a powerful witness in the city of Ephesus. So they speak in tongues, which are human languages previously unknown to them. And they prophesied as a sign to those who were observing. We're told in verse 7 that there are 12 men in number to whom this happened. Speaking in tongues in Acts is always a miraculous sign that testifies to the truthfulness of the gospel message. It is not an act of higher spirituality. It always accompanies salvation. At Pentecost, it accompanied the salvation of those uh Uh, believers in Christ who were waiting for the descent of the Spirit. Uh, In Acts chapter 10, in the household of Cornelius, uh, the speaking in tongues accompanies the salvation of the Gentiles there. And here in Acts 19, the same is the case. Now, Paul enters the synagogue after this and proclaims boldly for three months there, Notice that he's still spoken of here as disputing and persuading things concerning the kingdom of God. This kingdom is a kingdom not of this world, but belonging to the invisible or spiritual realm today where Jesus is seated at the right hand of God the Father. And one day in the future, when Jesus returns, he will bring his kingdom with him, and the kingdom of heaven will invade the kingdoms of earth and overtake the kingdoms of this world. After this time, some of the Jews became stubborn and persisted in unbelief, even speaking out against the way, Christianity, before the assembly of the Jews. And so Paul separated from the synagogue and took the believing Jews with him and began reasoning daily in the lecture hall or school of Tyrannus. And in verse 10, we find out this continued for two years so that everyone in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. So what happens in Ephesus with the disciples of John the Baptist really begins a huge public ministry in the city of Ephesus that is going to have lasting ramifications for the gospel. And we will see some of that next time. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit Emmaus.edu slash